That's my prophetic sermon bumper because I'm believing that we're in the stretch of summer. Don't bring stones with you next week. Take your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to give you a rapid-fire series of questions this morning that uh, is intended to bring us all to the same conclusion. Have you ever wondered why it's so incredibly hard to be satisfied? Ever wonder why so many marriages struggle, even after being married for a long time? Why people have a hard time getting along with family and friends? Why people carry so much debt? Why people stand in front of full closets wondering what they should wear? These are not related, by the way. Why we struggle with so much envy? Why our culture is so overdrugged and oversexed? Why we spend so much money on entertainment? Why trials of life so easily paralyze? Why is it that people disappoint so easily? Why does the life of the here and now not deliver the things that we hoped for? Because regardless of the question, what we can all agree on and the whole world can agree on is that something is wrong. And there's no lack of evidence around us. But I want to talk to you about something that really has been stolen and really been stolen from the church. We know we lack. We know that we're not satisfied. We search and we search, but we still find ourselves dissatisfied. Here's the reality that we were made, we were created to live forever. And every question that I asked is directly related to this dissatisfaction that we know that life in its current state is not going to be forever. And so we find this this kind of back and forth as followers of Jesus where we are looking for the life to come but we get so anchored in trying to find all of our satisfaction in this life. And what we end up living with, if we're not careful, is something called forever amnesia. Because we lose sight, we forget on a day-to-day, decision-decision basis that we will live forever. And so if you're here and you find yourself in a place or you're watching online and you're going, life is so unsatisfactory, I would encourage you today to be reminded that you're going to live forever. And when you understand that you live forever, you begin to approach things a little bit different. You begin to go, okay, I don't actually have to be fully satisfied in this particular area of life. But living forever is certainly not just a Christian thing. Hindus believe that that every living thing has a soul, and that soul is what lives forever, and it's just transferred from one life to the next. When I was in the mountains in India in May, we almost hit a cow that was in the middle of the road. 
And if that cow had been hit, the driver would have undergone extreme, extreme penalties because they believe that that is a soul of somebody who was previously walking amongst us. Buddhists believe that you have to keep doing it over and over and over and over until you get it right, and then you're just going to ascend to this cosmic consciousness. Muslims believe that if you, if you live right and you, and you ultimately work hard and please God, that you can live comfortably forever in paradise. But they never ever really describe what that really is fully like. There are different streams of, of Muslims. But then we also live in a, in, a, in a technologically advanced world, and Jeff Bezos, uh, the, the tech giants, the guys that, uh, that would come to your mind even as I'm talking, whether it's the Twitter X or Facebook or Amazon, uh, they really desire to live forever. Uh, in fact, it wasn't long after the... Jeff Bezos invested in really outer space that he, in 2021, invested in a place called Altos Labs so that he really feels that living forever is better than space exploration. That, of course, is born out of a belief that there is such thing called transhumanism or H, what is called H+. That, there, that the, the human condition can be transformed, it can be changed in such a way that, uh, uh, that you'd be able to live forever. And I want you to understand this about our day. Don't be the people who get caught up in the enemy's attempt for our children to have a sex change. That is ultimately about human, uh, our children being science projects. That is born out of a desire of a, of a people who think that the human condition can be changed to live forever. Now, we know, of course, the enemy is ultimately at the work behind this. Uh, cryonics is not new. It's this idea that, that our bodies can be put in a stasis where it can be preserved at a, a low temperature until the, the certain diseases can be uh, overcome by human advancement. Uh, we also live in a day with artificial intelligence where mind uploading is being explored because there's just a belief that our mind uh, is, is just a computer. Uh, and, and where we know it's not just a computer, I think in, a, in the Christian realm, we put too much emphasis on our mind, which is, by the way, just another part of our human flesh. But whether, whether it's, it's Hinduism or it's believing that a mind could be uploaded into a computer... It's all born out of a recognition that we were built, we were made to live forever. Everyone in this room, we were all hardwired to live forever. But sin came and broke that. There, there, was, there was this thing that happened. So if we're not careful, as, as believers, we'll tend to think that Jesus came to give us everything that we want and desire here and now, and thus forget about the now and not yet, or the, the not yet. And so, now, it's not that bad things are bad, and we'll come to live this life, but, but we don't want to live this life in a way that we end up with forever amnesia. And Paul does an interesting thing in, in these few short verses before he gets, you know, way into detail about the resurrection. But he starts in verse 12, and he says these words. He says, Now, if Christ is proclaimed... 
as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And early in the church, there, there was a, a, a lot of uh, a, lo- a lot of people out preaching that the resurrection is just like you, got, you have to live for what you have now and that's it. They would say that you just go to God to, uh, with faith to get, you know, you get the right kind of chariot if you pray hard enough with faith. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to uh, to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it's true, that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. I'm pausing there very specifically. I would encourage you, if, you, if you're in, in, your, in your Bible app or in your things, to highlight that particular sentence. Let me read it again. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are, of all people, most pitied. I've often found, and I've asked preachers this question, and rarely is it answered right off the bat. We put a lot of emphasis, and I'm going to give the question here in a moment. We put a lot of emphasis on the cross, and we should. And we talk a lot about heaven. But if someone was to ask you the question, why is the resurrection so important? Most people can't answer that question. Because they think that that when what Jesus came to do is just get us to heaven. And if you're living your life just to get to heaven, get to heaven, it's not that that's a bad thing. But that is falling woefully short of what he died for. When you understand that the resurrection is critical for the forgiveness of your sin. If you you understand that the life that that you are longing for, that 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 you find that you come woefully short of on a regular basis, is going to be fulfilled beyond imagination, it changes the way you live. I don't believe that we were just made to go to heaven. In fact, if, if the only goal is to get to heaven, then by all means, Lord, the moment I said yes to you, hit me with a Mack truck and let's get it going. But in between saying yes to Jesus and turning my life to him and actually moving into the next life, There is a dynamic of the resurrection that becomes critically important to us. We're going to explore that a little bit. I don't believe that that things just end when we die. I don't believe that we are going to be ghosts. 
But in our Christianity, Paul struggled with that. You read in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or 6, where, where the, the verse that everyone's so familiar with, uh, to, see, to be absent from the body is to be. What he says right before that is a struggle. And his, and his, and his end point is, well, at least, at least, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Because we were not made to be ghosts. I'm going to mess with some of your theology of, of heaven in some of this, which is why the phone number to text questions is up there for you. I don't believe that when we die and, and the resurrection happens that we're just going to get some mortal body. I don't believe that. I don't believe, thank the Lord, that I'm just not going to ascend into some cosmic universe and, and forever be no one even knows. I believe in the resurrection of the dead. And I believe in the resurrection of the dead because Jesus was raised from the dead. And I think it's good, and, and I think they're great conversations to have, and, and, you know, what will that be like? What will it be like? What will we be like? Well, let me tell you something. It is not rational for anyone to think that God is going to change our species. He's not going to do that. Jesus was absolutely recognizable after he was resurrected. He didn't become some new species. I love science fiction. But he's not, we're not going to become some, some form of new species. I know that in a new body, I will be able to do what I would not be able to do being just a spirit. What do I mean by that? Well, we were created with five senses. We see, we smell, we hear, we taste, and we touch. Now, this is important to understand when we talk about a life that it, a life that's lived with forever amnesia is always trying to satisfy the five senses. And there, there are levels of satisfaction that we do derive from our senses because it's, the, it's how we were created. But I fully believe that when we, when, we, when we receive our resurrected body, every one of those senses are going to be beyond anything that we can imagine. Think about the best food you've ever tasted, the best music you've ever heard, the most beauty that you've ever seen. All of that, Paul goes on a little bit later and he talks about the gloriousness of, of our resurrected state. That's going to come out in, 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 the, in how we experience these five senses. I've never seen inside my ear, but I hear it's pretty good. But I want you to get this. This is, this is what people don't get about the resurrection. The resurrection has to happen for us to live in the manner and in the fullness that God created. You know what that is? It's love. Love can only happen and only be fully expressed if we have some form of physical being. Now we had, you know, as our son and daughter-in-law were waiting for their house in Oklahoma to close, we had, you know, we had them in our house, but I, we had a three-year-old in our house for three weeks. And, and while I'm a grandparent, I can love them and leave them, right? That's the grandparent. 
what I loved about my granddaughter at three is she expresses her love through physical touch. She wants hugs, kisses, and she wants to sit in your lap. And I'm telling you that when we move into eternity, the resurrection is important because our expressions of love are found in part through physical touch, which begs the question, will there be sex in heaven? Because every millennial always wants to know that. I'm not answering that question in this sermon. Here's the beauty of it. We're not going to care. But we live in a sex-crazed society. We believe that satisfaction, fulfillment, completeness can come through physical touch and sexuality. But this is true to a point. But what I do know is that the body that we receive will live forever, not on its own. Just like we need outside sustenance. I, when I'm golfing, I'll, I'll turn to whoever I'm golfing with. If I get hungry, I say, I need sustenance because I'm, I'm not able to really go through. We don't become God. We will, need, we will need sustenance for our glorified bodies to actually, it won't be food in the manner of you thinking about. But we'll have a perfect connection to the Almighty God And we'll need something to keep going. Because while we were created to live forever, it doesn't mean that our bodies were ever intended to be separate from, absent of, the Almighty God. And here's the other beauty of this. I want you to get this. Your new body is going to fully express who you are and who you were. Your new body will be, will be completely godly. You won't, you won't struggle with sin. You won't desire to sin. You won't even care about this idea of going toward sin. But you'll also fully express yourself. So I, don't, I know that, you know, historically there are those that believe that drums won't be in heaven. That's, that's heresy, Fabian. Absolute heresy. <laughs> Uh, you know, some will say the electric guitar or the bass won't be, a bass won't be people's idea of what, but, but that's all expressions of who you are. And the expression in the physical being of someone who plays the guitar regularly is seen in their fingertips. Because if you've ever tried to learn the guitar, where do you get sore? Your fingertips. The expression of who we are will continue. But I want you to get this. The one who took the rivers and waters of Egypt and turned it to blood. The one who took water and made it wine has an incredible plan to take your and I's being and create something beautiful. And so I want to leave you three words, give you three words briefly this morning to encourage you. And it's just simply alignment, acquirement, and adjustment. I think when we we talk about this forever and living, Paul said, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most pitied. There, There should be a dynamic where our message matches our life. 
if we're going to live forever, then, then, then we're not living in, in, in just a matter of the moment. You know, we live in a world that, here's the way our world works. And in, in America, in 2023, it's just the way it works. You spend 20 to 25 years learning how to live the next 40 years so you can rest and relax for the last 20 or 30 years. That about right? No one ever talks about that last 20 or 30 years being the time where, you know, you're groaning every time you get out of bed and, and you become a doctor because you visit the doctor so much, you know all about your human anatomy because it's falling apart at every, every level. These things aren't bad. But if we're out of alignment, there's a struggle. There's a dissatisfaction. A little bit, think about it like your car. You know, one of the things I've, I've found about, about Texas is that the ground shifts so much, you not only end up with potholes, the, the, the ground just moves and you're driving along and bang, bang. It irritates me when I get on the freeway and it's like I get ready to accelerate and there's a speed bump. You know what I'm talking about? Over time, what that does to your car is it gets, it gets the wheels out of alignment. So rather than the car going in the, in the direction naturally, you begin to fight it a little bit. You begin to see the wear on the tires. And when you begin to get um, really forever amnesia, it's like all of a sudden there are parts of life that begin to wear out. There, there, there's struggles that begin to happen because you're not going in the direction that you were intended to go. Because Jesus didn't call us to just live in the here and now. There really is a, now, a, a not yet. There, there is a there and then. And then when we're going in that direction, and this is why we always say that Christianity is not a line you cross. It's a direction you walk. And when you're walking in the direction that we are intended to walk, there is, it doesn't make life easy, but you fight life differently than everybody else. Because everybody else is used to their car being out of alignment and running into the ditch or going into the wrong lane. And they end up, you know, crashing and burning in life. But for the Christian, it's not that we don't have the challenges. It's not that we don't have the problems. But we're not living for the now. We're living for the there. We're living for the then. So while I would encourage you to, to invest and, and be concerned about retirement and the life that is, you know, post, you know, nine to five working, however you want to do that. Don't make life all about that. Don't make life all about the bucket list, trying to find that satisfaction. Don't make life about the next big barbecue. It's Texas people do this. Just recognize that life is going to work overtime and get me out of alignment. And so bring it back to where you're going. Wait a minute. There is, there is a there. And I am moving in that direction. And so whatever problem, whatever challenge I'm facing now, it's going to pale in comparison to what's before me. Now, when you, when you get past the, the alignment, you understand that the alignment is the critical thing. There are two pieces that really we want to acquire. This is the grow piece in all of this. And this is where understanding the resurrection is critically important. That, that the bodies that we receive, they're being formed and they're being shaped right now in your life. Paul said that, that our faith is futile. And we're really still in our sins if we don't believe that Christ was resurrected. 
All we have to acquire is Jesus. Two things. I want you to get this. Critical. You get his life and you get his marks. When you, when you learn to get his life and get his marks, it's going to change everything. The reason Paul says that, that if you don't believe in the resurrection, we're still in our sins is because we're still in our sins if, if our life is our life. I didn't want my life, so I accepted Jesus' life. He's the one who lived the perfect life. He's the one who was punished for my sins. It was his body that was raised from the dead. And the more I acquire his life, the more I am changed. It's a credible quote. I don't know who to attribute it to. But I, I just I, I think it so illustrates the, the dynamic in which we live as, as followers of Jesus. So here's what he says. As the soul is the image of God in the world, the face is the image of the soul. Now, here's what we know about our face. Our face identifies us, doesn't it? There's something called facial recognition. Probably happens more than we know. We were at the teen adult and teen challenge um, graduation banquet on Friday. And what they did before the actual program started is they had pictures of the guys who came into the program and it showed a picture of them before they came to Christ and a picture of them when they were, when they were graduating. And the change, the transformation was phenomenal. I think even when Darren was here a number of months back, he showed a picture of some of the guys in that transformation. It really is hard for us to put some form of formula or quantification on the transformation that actually happens in our face. But it happens. And more than what a plastic surgeon can do, when we take on the life of Christ, there is a spiritual surgery that shows up in our face. Actually even shows up, the Bible says, in our eyes. Here's what Daniel said in the Old Testament. He said, those who bring many to righteousness will shine like the stars of the heavens. There's a, there's a spark. But you got to understand that when it comes to our face, I, my, I, I'm, I'm not always nice to my mom and and yet she's incredibly graceful and forgiving. I bought her a shirt for Mother's Day. And listen, we're Dutch. And, and she's, she's more German than Dutch. But you know, you got this, this forehead that's real foreboding. And you know, so I got her a shirt that says, I'm not mad, this is my face. Because it's just the way we are, right? I didn't get my face because I said, this is what I'm going to look like. Josh, our youngest son, was promoted this uh, last week where he worked, and, and so he was just sending out some thanks. And I had met one of the uh, HR directors uh, at, in December, and she had commented, and by the way, say hi to your twin. I mean, your dad. I mean, Josh looks incredibly like me. I didn't sit him down when he was two years old and get eye-to-eye, mustache-to-mustache and say, boy, you're going to look like me. But some of you think that's what your Christianity and your God of heaven says. Won't you get that? 
It's DNA. You take on the life of Jesus. You take Jesus in, and there is a transformation that happens. And I'm telling you, your eternal body will represent the level of Jesus that you took on in this life. The resurrection is critically important. I want to be distinctive. I want to look like Jesus. And, and for me, when I think about the, the DNA, that, that's the fruit of the Spirit that's being developed in our life. Where I, I, you know, grow in patience and you grow in kindness and you grow in this. And only because we're yielding and the life and the DNA of Jesus is more and more within us. But here's an incredible thing that I think that this is, this is, this is spiritual maturity here. You got to get this. This is not for the spiritually immature. Jesus had marks in his resurrected body. And that was not random and it wasn't just done for Thomas. If you think that Jesus took on the, the, the scars in his hands and his feet just so he could show Thomas, you've missed it. Those marks were an expression of faith and the love that he had to his heavenly father and he will have them throughout all of eternity. And every act of faith that you and I do, every time we say yes, even at the pain, even at the uncertainty in the human flesh, in this body, we are marked. And we're going to carry those marks throughout all of eternity. Jesus' struggle in the garden is our struggle in the garden. If you're not living a life where you're going, God, I don't want to do this. I would much rather do this, but not my will. Your will be done. Even if that means that my flesh is going to have to endure pain. But in that pain, when we say yes to God, I will give it to you. I will do what you want to do. There are marks that will be obvious throughout all of eternity. And every person that is around in my life and that I have a chance to disciple and speak into, I want to have marks of faith throughout all of eternity. We live in a world that highlights and, and tries to, to, to get us really... Um, really off, off focus by saying, hey, you can have short-term gratification. You can live the American dream. Again, I'm not against these things. I don't think God's against these things. But when we think that God and our Christianity is all about the, the here and now rather than the there and then, we've got this forever amnesia, and we're not going to go into eternity with the kind of marks that only come through faith in Jesus Christ. And so a big part of the growth for us is, all right, God, I'm going to say yes. And by saying yes, you are, you are acquiring marks that people will recognize Forever. When I talk a week after week about igniting change in hundreds with night change in thousands, that has everything with developing a people who will say, I view a person important enough to invest in their life, to know their name, and to encourage them, and to prod them, and to help them live a life 
that will mark them throughout all of eternity. Jesus didn't say, go and get a bunch of people to confess. Jesus said, go and get a bunch of people to disciple. Because disciples are willing to say yes in those garden moments when the flesh is going, oh, may there be another way. But not my will, your will be done. But I think there's some, just some minor adjustments, some things that are actually really, those, were, those two things are really big. They don't, don't happen overnight. I can't give an altar call, lay my hands on you. You're going to go out and, you know, be so full of Jesus, your face is going to change, and you're going to be going around everywhere, and Faith Monday, Faith Tuesday, Faith, you know, listen, I'm doing good if my faith is holding up by Sunday night at 6 o'clock, right? Because, because our, our, faith is, our faith journey is not a straight line, but God's always bringing us back to center. He's getting us to where we are looking at him once again. That the, the, the writer in, in Psalms said, Lord, let me not be so impoverished that I have to steal to eat, but don't let me be so rich that I forget about you. So he's bringing me back to this place of center. He's bringing you back to center. But I think one thing that we can do right off the bat when we talk about just minor adjustments is we begin to evaluate our life where we just sit and go, okay, all right, does my message match my life? Am, am, I, am I just proclaiming, does my life just talk about the forgiveness of sin? Or does my life talk about a resurrection where I'm going to live forever? Where when, when, I, when, I, when I want to go after that, okay, and, and, I, and, I, and I don't typically give names up here, but some people, they just bring such strong temptation, you have to mention them. Avis puts me in his boat and gives me these strong urges for boats. So I get on TikTok and I show Clarissa, you know, these, these boats parked in Miami that have five, 450 horses back there going, I want that. But that longing for satisfaction is ultimately going to be fulfilled at the resurrection. I don't know what boating is going to look like. But is my life today does it look more like Jesus's life than it did last year or 20 years ago or whenever it was? I think when you, when you think about the there and then and not trying to get caught up in instant gratification, there are those that I know in this, in this church or watching online that know about investment and understand that, listen, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, you diversify Right? So when we evaluate our life, it's not that we don't do the things of this life and we don't do them well. Of course, we do all of that. But we diversify saying we know that there's a life that's yet to come. But I would go a step further. That if we're really going to be people that truly are igniting change, it's because we're in relationships that, are, that we're prodding to go forward, that we're pushing to go forward, that we're pulling to go forward, and that are also doing that to us that we should be, have, be able to have people in our life that we can look up to spiritually and say, hey, what areas of my life match the message? Now, these have to be people you trust. But as Bill brought out, the kind of the excuses, I think the, the, other, the other side of that is that while we do have these blind spots, we need people to help us see the mile markers, the changes, the transformations that's actually happening in our life. And so we can look at others and say, hey, I see this growth in you here. I see this growth in you there. But while we, we do evaluation, I think there's some di dynamic of we need to express it. And in your time with the Lord this week, express it to him. Ask him, Lord, I want to live the life that is Jesus Christ.
I want his life. Not my life, I want his life. One of the things that always saddens me is Christians get together and never talk about Jesus. I love talking about resurrection stuff. My mom will tell you this about me. My mom's the teacher of our, of our family. And my mom, in, in her 80s, still goes to Bible college. She just loves to learn. And she'll look at me and she'll go, Rich, you don't even agree with yourself when you talk to me. Because I so love talking about the things of the Lord, I will try to take an opposing opinion just to challenge thought, just to challenge. So have someone, have a conversation about the resurrection uh, with someone. But I, I, probably an easier thing for us to do, maybe not for some of you, I don't know, is why don't you just give and love just a little more this week? Because, because while a person may mistreat you, while a person may do things that, that just kind of supply their own ego, in fact, we were talking, uh, I don't know if it was this last Wednesday or the Wednesday before, and something just came to me. There are just, here's how the devil works. If you give, give, the, if you give the devil a little ego, he'll use it a lot. Okay? So we have to always be careful. And there are always people in our life who they give the devil a little ego and the devil uses it a lot. And you tend to want to just push those people away and forget about those people and not care about those people. But I would encourage you to give to them just a little more. To love them just a little bit more. And then here's the greatest thing about the resurrection. We can go from this place today and we can just enjoy life. You don't have to accomplish it by the time you're 100 or 90. You're going to live. You're going to live forever. The reason we're going to live forever is not because of our life. It's because of his life. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to enjoy life. Help us to, to every day... Uh, keep our focus on your life because your life was perfect and ours is far from it. Um, but Lord, I thank you that, Lord, as we say yes to you, as, Lord, we are, we are adjusting ever so slightly, we know that more and more it's your life that we're receiving. It's, it's your marks that we are establishing. In fact, if you, if you just, just want to just receive the life of Jesus or you just, you just want to say, Lord, I want to I go into eternity with marks of faith in my life. Just lift your hands before the Lord and say, yes, Lord. Yes, me, Lord. I, I, that's what I desire. Lord, I, I want to I live every day knowing that there is yet a tomorrow. Even at the end of my life, there's yet a tomorrow. And so we say yes and amen to the, to the life of Jesus. And we thank you for your spirit and the DNA that comes as we say yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.